great night. The fans were ridiculous. The 12s were so good tonight. God dang, they were great. Uh, and I'm so, so pleased that we could give them a game like this and they could have that much fun. And they even we have to win the game on, on three times with those timeouts. So each time we won the game again, then we won the game again, then we won the game again. It was great. So I, I wasn't I wasn't bugged by that at all. Very happy and relieved Pete Carroll before the game, a very raucous and loud. Boo. Boo, Russell Wilson. Boo. Not Your propaganda booing. that they tried to you they tried to trade you before doesn't work on us. Boo. Boo. <laughs> boo. They're not saying boo, they're saying No, they're saying boo. There's there's nothing else they can be saying. It's boo. Strong. And that's expected. Yeah. It's right. expected. Right. It, it, it I, I'm not surprised by it. Peter King and I had an argument, discussion, debate about it the other day, whether it was proper, given everything he's done in the community. It doesn't matter in that moment. No, it does that not. Moment is he's wearing the colors of the opposing team for the first time ever. He's back, and there was enough fault both ways that yes, he's going to get booed. Yes, that's what's going to happen. Ultimately, they want to win a game, and they understand the power. Of the home field advantage that comes from all the noise they create, whether it's boos or just decibels that Channing make it hard Gino. for offense to operate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. I, yeah. It, and, and they should have. Yes. It was It was great. It had a – I mean, we know first game of the year, the atmosphere there, but that was another level of, like, intensity in the crowd from the get-go. First off, I was impressed by the Broncos fans that were there. I mean, when I first saw the stadium, I was like, whoa, there's a lot of Broncos fans there. But they got drowned out in a hurry by by the, the 12s, for sure. And that was about – it seemed about as loud and as crazy as I've ever heard that stadium. And, you know, we know that stadium is crazy. It was unbelievable energy in that game. They were hitting and bringing it, and it was a lot of fun to watch. Even though it wasn't really high scoring, you could just feel the tension on both sides, and you knew the city of Seattle and the Seahawks wanted to win, to shove it you know, up Russell Wilson's you-know-what yes. and, and, and back Pete Carroll there, and uh, that was cool. It was. Like you said, it gets personal once it's time to play, they, but they'll applaud him later in life and tell him how great he was. First of all, thank you for self-excuse me. No problem. Say self-editing yourself because we once again are live. Live on Sky. On Sky Sports. Woo! NFL. What's up, so London? We have to we have to watch our mouths, uh, which is kind of a challenge now because we were just getting very comfortable at you, periodically dropping you especially. an S bomb. <laughs> yes, and now we got to be careful again. I mean, I I, I don't I, like it. I, I out it's in a, L.A. They, you were telling me, you know, out there, I see the bosses, and they're like, man, I used to have to worry about you and the swear words, and now Florio's got so so comfortable, he's he's doubling your swearing output, you know, by the week there. So your 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 new ways are definitely noticed for sure. I will take the trade, though. I will watch my tongue if it means being live on Sky. The folks there who have been loyal and passionate and vocal supporters of the program. And apparently they have been wearing out the people at Sky Good. to put us on live and put the other show that had been on live six hours later at a time when, you know, it the information and the analysis can become stale very quickly, especially during the season right. when there's news all day long. Six hours is a long time to wait to hear whatever someone had to say about things that are going on. So 
folks were thrilled. The inbox to my email account was overflowing with people who were happy and also people who were somewhat dismayed that they couldn't fast forward through the commercials. Oh, well, that's one of the realities of us <laughs> yeah. being TV. live and no longer <laughs> on your DVR device. So anyway, we're still on Peacock as well, Sirius XM 85 podcast. We're not ignoring you. You are hearing it on some sort of a delay, but thank you for hanging in there with us and listening to what we have to say. Also, We've got plenty oh, to sorry. say. Go sorry. ahead. Also, Go as ahead. I say, like, I don't know. Did I miss this last week on the bottom of the screen? These new graphics and everything here. The opening had some new graphics. That yesterday was the day that I'm hearing in my ear was the day yes. that I'm impressed. If you would have been here if you would have been here on Monday, you would have seen that yesterday was the first day. Yeah, I'm sorry. I wish I was here Monday. Trust me, I really do. I I, I you know I want to be here. I do. But the powers that be want me on that damn post game show and doing the highlight show and it's one that I can't say no to. So sorry. Uh, sorry there, Slugger. We have already had this communication. I will be there in 13 days. <laughs> after week three. You think I'm going to come you, in on a Monday because you're here? You think I'm going to get up early? Went, if you went without your favorite plant for nearly a month, you can go without sleep for one night. Hey, yeah, Especially I can go after. Yeah, yeah no I was problem. harassed <laughs> when I was 40 miles away 15 days ago. And yes. didn't come to Stanford that day. You're going to be five minutes away sound asleep right. while I'm in the studio where you are. Oh, I'll leave a present for you. <laughs> okay, if you're yeah. not there, if you're not there, <laughs> you're going to be you're going to be looking all over the place to figure out exactly where that smell is coming from when Tuesday <laughs> yeah, morning rolls you. around. That'd be great. Uh, <laughs> the the, uh, the smell last night in Seattle was ultimately a good one for Pete Carroll. You saw how excited. And energized he was. The guy's going to be 71 in two days. It's crazy. He was happy. He was effervescent. I, I was telling my nephew last night, we were watching the game, and I, he, he is like two different guys. Like, like when, he, when he's not in a football stadium, he's like the old mob boss who tries to act rickety and senile on his way to trial and wearing a bathrobe and slippers. And then all of a sudden, he's Superman when he's in a stadium. It's an unbelievable it's transformation. It is. It really is. And, and look, Yes, he wanted them to boo. Why? Because he wanted to win. He wanted his football philosophy to be vindicated. And it was for one night. Yeah. They they weren't going to let Russell Wilson be Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Aaron Rodgers. They refused to do it. And so they had Geno Smith play the role of the quarterback in their system, and it worked. And in their first effort, they beat Russell Wilson in a setting where it was let Russ cook, except for the very end. We'll talk about that coming up. But that's why Pete Carroll was happy, not just to get the win. He was in the only data point we're going to have for multiple years, head-to-head with Russell Wilson, unless they meet in a Super Bowl, and God, I hope they do. He was proven right. Yeah, listen, that was personal, I think. I do. I mean, you know, obviously that was a great relationship and added, you know, it was a great success uh, they're, they're the the greatest little era of the Seattle Seahawks franchise by far with Russell Wilson, the Legion of Boom, Pete Carroll. So that's all fine and dandy, but we know that there was a lot of politicking going on up there with Russell Wilson and things he was saying about the offense wanting to be changed and you know, looking at other options both times he was getting close to becoming a free agent or anything. Is there anything out there after the you know rookie contract was up? And then, of course, you know, I think we, we all 
No, from two years ago, he was putting the pressure on the Seattle Seahawks franchise to, you know, maybe make something happen or, or trying to let it be known that maybe he wants to get out of there. So that wasn't an easy thing for Seattle or Pete Carroll to deal with there for a few years. They told the line of, wait, hey, we like Russell Wilson. He's the great guy and blah, blah, blah. But also having to deal with him and his agent and the personal needs that Russell Wilson had. Yeah, I think, of course, that was personal last night. And the Seahawks, the one thing you could say about them, and again, I don't know how good they're going to be. I'm not expecting playoffs. But, man, they're, they're, most teams are a reflection of their head coach. You talked about it. Their head coach is about to be 71, and he's still psycho and running around. And that's the way their team plays. They're psycho and running around. And then I also thought just the great aspect of it as we get into the nitty-gritty here was so cool is the fact that, you know, let Russ cook, let Russ cook. And they came out throwing the ball with Geno Smith, and I think that was a huge curveball to everybody's you know, surprise as well. We thought, oh, they'll run the ball and play normal Seattle ball. And they trusted Geno, and uh, he played really well, especially in the first half. He played really well. Right down the field, touchdown pass to Will Disley. He was 13 for his first 13. Geno Smith was really good, and we'll get to Geno. Yeah. thing you said about Russell Wilson, you weren't here on Friday. I always have to sift back through my memory banks as to, or Wednesday or Thursday for that matter. Yeah. So we haven't had a chance to talk about this. At one point last week, in his effort yes. to put the spin, the don't boo me spin right. on the situation, he said they tried to trade me a couple of times. And I pointed out in the aftermath of that, well, I you saw the article for years yeah. now, Number one, yeah. 2018, they dangled him to the Browns for the first overall pick that would have become Josh Allen. And all, 100%. all these people like, oh, yeah, now it's easy to say that now. He's been saying it for years. Yes. It wasn't something we're just saying now because Josh Allen is the greatest quarterback in the NFL currently. Right. Maybe. Patrick Mahomes has something to say yeah, about he that. Does. That's yeah. a topic for a different segment. <laughs> but but it, you've been saying it for years. And I heard recently that in 2019 they did the same damn thing. They were going to send him to Arizona for the first overall pick and take Kyler Murray. And at the core of this – it's dollars and cents. It's yes. How much money are we going to pay a quarterback that we aren't going to say, here's the keys, drive the car wherever you want? Right. Because they could have had Kyler Murray on a four-year deal worth $35 million total. Yes. They're paying Russell Wilson $35 million per year. At least they were. Yeah. That's where the disconnect was happening. And I remember saying this at one point. If you're not going to use him like a franchise quarterback, if you don't believe in him that way, why are you paying him that way? And why aren't you trading him to a team that will embrace him and use him that way, which is ultimately what happened. So it really was mutual. Yes. But there was enough responsibility for Russell there. And, and again, they want to win the game. They, they, they've got their number 12 retired for what they do by way of creating noise and setting off the local Richter scale when Marshawn Lynch has the Beastquake touchdown run. Of course they're going to do what Pete Carroll wants, and it, it had to have helped. There's no way it hurt. No, no, it definitely didn't hurt. And and again, even though Russell Wilson, you know, yeah, he tried to get out of there. Yeah, they tried to trade him, all that. It doesn't matter in this type of moment. The fans, even though they're going to be loyal to Russell, Russell Wilson as time goes on, it's just not for that night. No, not, it was too new. The Band-Aid was just ripped off, and there's no doubt. Yes, they tried to trade him to Cleveland. And they were going to go, hey, okay, hey, you have him. Give us the first pick. We're going to get Josh Allen. 100% that's the truth. So that's a real thing. And I understand that, too, to, to what you're explaining with Seattle. Seattle went to two Super Bowls with that rookie contract quarterback formula. 
And they, I think Pete Carroll, John Schneider, they looked at it and said, hey, let's do that again. We'll build great depth on the D line, get the O line, have a few good drafts, blah, 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 and build like that and see if they can replicate that. And I think that's been on their radar for the last few years. But we know what happens in the NFL. Quarterback gets good. Team wins. Media gives quarterback all the love. Quarterback, 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 quarterback. And as a franchise, you get you know, put in the corner there of, wait, are we going to really let this guy out of here? The fans love him. And, man, quarterbacks in this league, they're, it's rare for them to be this good, and we got one. And so that's that. I think the pressures of the situation, the politics of the situation took over there. And I think that added to a little friction of, you know, the, the relationship. And, it, look, there's an alternate universe out there where Josh Allen is the quarterback of the Seahawks, Kyler Murray is the quarterback of the Seahawks, and who knows – how that would have gone. But we know how it went with Russell Wilson. Like you said, they had their two Super Bowl appearances when he was on his rookie deal. They got to the point where it was done, and they were together again last night. And the whole let Russ cook thing, which we have heard over and over again, that only crystallizes the final fateful moment. And I always (laughs) love it when there's a primetime game that ends with a controversy, whether it's a bad call, a questionable decision, a memorable press conference, a fight, whatever, something that gets you jazzed up to talk about it the next day. I wanted to start the show immediately after the game ended, and I've been anxious to talk to you about this, and you and I haven't really exchanged many thoughts via text. No. Others have chimed in. Well, I try not I, to. You know, I don't want us to well, be too rehearsed or have our thoughts out there you know, to where we, we never you know. have to worry about us being too rehearsed. <laughs> well, no, that's I know never, that. But that's I, never going to be an issue here. I like to keep it raw between us, and I think you're, you're the same way. I don't want to let every football thought in my mind go on, you know, to the text message chain that we're on. And so that, so we can keep be fresh right here and, and you know, not really know exactly what we're going to each other is going to say and we can react. I think that's that's when we're at our best. Well, my thought was immediate and I'm yeah. watching the game yeah. and they, they, they had the third and ridiculously long third and 14. I think it was maybe even longer than that. I think it was third and 14. The pass to Javante Williams, third and 14. Hey, I'm right for a change. And Williams makes a nice little gain out of it. There was a little flash there. I thought, holy crap, he's going to get to the sticks. Right. You see the Seahawks converge. So they get to the 46-yard line, left hash. Remember that. That's important. 46 left hash. And then it's tick, 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 tick. I don't understand this at all. You got three timeouts. The last I checked, to borrow one of your phrases, I checked the rule book. They don't carry over to the next game. Yeah, right. You got three timeouts. (laughs) There goes the clock. They're in the huddle, and this was a common theme all night long. Get the play in, Wow, that was a problem, no doubt. Russell Wilson, get to the line of scrimmage. Get your guys set up. I mean, what in the hell was wrong with them? But we're like, what's happening here? And then at some point, the decision apparently was made. Let's just run it all the way down to zero, kill the clock, and then we're going to bring out Brandon McManus to try what was a 64-yard field goal. It was the damnedest thing, and I don't think anybody really understood what was going on. I'm not sure Russell Wilson understood what was going on. No. And there's the kick yeah. from Brandon McManus. No good. And then they used their timeouts at, at a time when anybody that's played any Madden knows you got two timeouts left. The other team has the ball first down with 15 seconds left. 
why even bother to yeah, take a time out? over, right? Exactly. Why right. even waste your time? Right. Unless, yeah, unless you're going to Greg like Schiano, he wanted to get torpedo the, the kneecaps. <laughs> yeah. That's right. They, right. they got to celebrate the win three times. Right. Unless you're going to do the Greg Schiano torpedo the kneecaps to the offensive line and hope they fumble the ball. There's no reason to take those timeouts. Well, Un- unless yeah. unless he didn't want to have any left, right. unless he didn't want to have two left, so so he would be. I, I I'm so I'm sorry. Hey hey, this is big boy league. This is you want to be a head coach in the NFL? Because I felt bad about this. Like, am I going to be too hard on Nathaniel Hackett for this? Hey man, th- th- this is the culmination of the sport. This is what you've worked for your whole life, and you can't piss down your leg. Sorry, London. Literally, yeah, yeah. you can't do that in this moment. You can't. And I think he did, Chris. I don't know why in the hell. And I'm trying to restrain myself here. I, hear I don't you. know why in the hell you kick a 64 yard field goal when you have made the investment right. of draft picks up and or out the wazoo. You have unlocked the Walmart vault for Russell Wilson. And there's so much in there. They barely even realized how much he took. But but you've done all that. It's fourth and five, not fourth and 15. Yep. Not fourth and 10. It's fourth and makeable. It's fourth and five. And you go with a 64, not 34. Yeah. Or 44. That, that's the point here. Right. A 64 yard field goal. When did that become automatic? Yeah. When did that become even remotely makeable? That is desperation. We got no other shot. We got no other chance. We got no, there's no time left, even if we do convert fourth down. Right. That, that's the thing. You got one second on the clock, and it's either Hail Mary or 64 yarder. That's when you make that decision. Not fourth and five with two timeouts left, even if you let the clock go all the way down to 20 seconds. You still got two timeouts. You convert fourth and five. You don't have to get out of bounds. You get in the middle of the field. No doubt. And you can make it a 54 or a 44 or even a 59 yarder. That, that, I, I've never seen anything like it, and I, I, and they were so easy on him. The Broncos media core that was in there, they were so easy on him. Maybe they had yet to process it. So was even Joe Buck got, and Troy Aikman. They weren't real critical he's got either. Some, you know? he's got, well, I'm, I'll shut up and let you talk about it, but he's no. got some tough questions to answer, and he doesn't answer, answer us. You know who he has to answer to? Greg Penner, Rob Walton, oh, and Condoleezza Rice, who knows a thing or two about football. They're going to have some tough questions for Nathaniel Hackett. It, it, it's a rookie coach who, who made a rookie mistake. I mean, that's, that's, that's where – and it's, you know, again, it's not an excuse. It's certainly not. But he obviously looked like it was, he was flustered in that situation. I think at the base premise is like you just kind of – you laid it all out. But fourth and five with Russell Wilson at your, as your quarterback and the fact that you really moved the ball up and down the field the whole second half, right? Denver really was never stopped the whole second half. I would think the percentages of converting that were greater than making the 64-yard field goal. And obviously, things seem unorganized, right? I, I mean, to the point where I'd, I'd like to show that whole video sequence again, guys, if we can, just to talk about it. Because I do think after they complete the pass to Javante Williams, like you talked about, it seemed like, yes, there was confusion. And, yes, it, was, it took a little bit. So we get the pass. And now, okay, now we're going to call a play. And to me, it looked like they were legitimately going to call a play here for the good part of the 40-second play clock. Like, hey, we're going to call a play. Let's do it. Russell's trying to get people organized. They don't know what they want to call. So here he's kind of getting it from the sidelines. Now he kind of hurry up. Okay, let's get everybody out there. And this is where I don't know. Like, this is where and I, I want to talk this out with you. Do you think at this point they're saying, hey, let's line up? 
and we're just going to kick the field goal and let the time go down here at this point? Or are they still trying to call a play here at this point, right? And to me, it looked like they were still trying to call a play, but then realized, wait, we're a little low on the clock. And at some point, Nathaniel Hackett gets in his ear because at, right here, Russell Wilson has the body language of he already knows they're going to kick the field goal. Like the coach, he, the way he comes to the sideline, there was no discussion. And I wish we could play that even a little longer in, in live TV where he walked right off the sideline and knew they were kicking the field goal. So at some point, Nathaniel Hackett got in his ear to go, hey, I'm just going to kick it. But I don't understand it. I don't understand well, any of the organization of that moment and what they did there. And it was, it was, it was bumbled. It was, it was floundered whatever word you want to use. It wasn't used. It wasn't the correct way. That's for sure. Well, think about this too. When does the speaker cut off? 15 seconds. Yeah. Under 15. Right. Right. So maybe he heard that they're going to kick the field goal take a timeout and we'll kick a field goal and I just wonder whether between 15 and three or four I wonder if he thought you know what I'm just gonna I'm, I'm running the play I wonder if that's what was going because he kind of had a blank look on his face but he still kept going through the motions yeah because once you know you're kicking the field goal now see the problem is at that point you don't you, you need you need your three timeouts if you miss you yes. have a chance of getting the ball back. Right. And and ideally what they would have done is they would have gotten McManus out there quickly and kicked the field goal on a running clock. So if they did miss, they would have had their three timeouts to try to get the ball back for a Hail Mary so, or maybe a 74-yard so kick. So that tells I'm you – Right. That tells you at least I, that it wasn't on their radar right before the play. They weren't thinking, hey, if we get just close get to him the out, first right. down, let's say right. that tells 46 you 46 left hash. Right. 46 left hash. That's what McManus told them before the game. Right. 46 left hash. Get me there. Right. And they did. That's why I mentioned it earlier. So, if yes, that's when you mobilize. Get him out there, kick it, and then we'll have our three timeouts – Although, man, that's a hell of a needle to thread. It Think is, about that. Right. We're going to rush him out there to do a 64-yard field goal. Yes. Which would have been second longest in the NFL. Let's rush him out there to kick it. Yes, in history. So we can hold our three timeouts. Right. While we also, if he makes it, we're giving the Seahawks more time to drive down the field and win with a field goal of their own. I, I Look, that implies way too much thought. At a time when I don't think there was any. No, I don't think that, so either. I, I don't it was think the opposite either. of strategy. Yeah. I agree. I do. I, I think it was a little bit of, wait, we got caught in a spot here. Oh, no. I don't know what to do. We're on the fringe of Brandon McManus, who's a great kicker, and we know that he really is. But 64 yards, like you said, it's 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 to be the second longest in the history of football. The, the percentages are not that great there. But, yeah, I think they got caught in a moment of, wait, do I want to risk you know, not getting the first down and not even having an opportunity to kick the field goal, or do we just we just line up and kick it right now? And, yeah, they got stuck in between there. And then, of course, you know, how to use the timeout, and that took away, yeah, any opportunity for them to get the ball back. But I would have even said, you know, for for the people out there who go, well, yeah, maybe they if they just got out there, kicked a field goal, missed it, and had the three timeouts, right? Still, that, that wouldn't have given them much of a chance. I mean, even with that, I understand that Seattle Seattle's going to get the ball, kneel it down three times, and then punt it down into the other end zone, or at least close to it, and you're going to have few seconds left to do something at that point. So that's where you know I don't know if that really uh, you know makes sense, but none of it made sense. 
You know, at the base level, it was get the ball to Russell Wilson. You move the ball all game long. He's made plays and been efficient the whole second half, and you got good receivers. Why wouldn't you just, hey, take get the pass to Javante Williams, take a timeout, let's go to the sideline, let's talk about the plays we like on fourth and five. Russell, what do you like? What do you think? You know, you know Pete and them. What do you think they might call in this moment? What, what's their what, – what's your feel here? Okay, hey, let's, ruin, hey, let's run 72 X shell across, blah, 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 and call the play and let's, let's go with it. I, that, to me, was what I thought they were going to do. Even when it was the 20 seconds and you're going, why are they letting the clock run down? I just thought, okay, well, they're going to call timeout, and they realize they just need one more completion, maybe two just to feel really cozy. And there's 20 seconds left, so they'll be fine. I wasn't even in a problem there. But then when I saw Russell Wilson walk off and kind of like he unbuckles the chin strap and he's talking to the sideline, like, let's go. And I'm like, wait, he's not meeting with the head coach there? And then I saw the kickers going out. I looked at my wife and I said, oh, no, Danielle. I said, Nathaniel Hackett, if they don't make this field goal, he's going to get roasted tomorrow. This is going to be this is a big deal. And, you know, my wife is sitting there going, oh, no. And, you know, again, with Nathaniel, I worked with him in, in Tampa Bay. He's a great guy. He's a good offensive mind. But certainly had a rookie mistake in this moment. There's no doubt. There's no denying it. And he's going to have to answer these tough questions. And this is one of the fundamental differences between being a coordinator and being a head coach. Because when you're the head coach, it goes nowhere else. You're the one who has to make the call. Right. You're the one who has to have this ready. Chris, help me understand. Because I just assume – from some of the people I know. See, he knows right there. Yeah. Yep, you're right. Everything is planned out, and everything has been envisioned, and every variable has been considered. I'm just stunned that you get in a moment like this. It's almost like we didn't expect to be in this situation where we had a gotta-have-it scenario where we needed a play where we could convert fourth and, and intermediate. Like, you don't have a plan ready to go. You don't have a decision ready to make. The only decision they had was 46 left hash. They believed and accepted Brandon McManus telling them the limit of his range is 46 from the left hash. So 46 makes it a 64-yard field goal. He had 18 yards, and they just accepted if we get it there, it's like the X on a treasure map. We just get it there, and we'll be fine. The guy's still got to make the kick. Yeah. And and he's one for eight before last night from 60 yards or longer. That's 12.5%. Now, I'm no expert in analytics, nor do I care to be, But I just wonder who's running the numbers in Denver and who was whispering to Nathaniel Hackett that a 12.5% shot is better than whatever play they would have had to try to get five yards. I'd like to think your chances of getting at least five yards in a must-have scenario with Russell Wilson are higher than 12.5%. And if they're not, why did you trade for him and why did you pay him? Yeah, I'd have a hard time believing that they don't have a list of plays for that type of situation. Uh, They do. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett, he just came from Green Bay. He's been around a lot of other great coaches. I don't think there's any doubt he's got the plays and the gotta-have-it plays in this moment. You know, So that I I don't doubt. But the thing we're questioning is just, yeah, how he handled the situation and the pressure of the moment. And to me, to, to what you're saying, and I, I think we agree here, he just buckled under the pressure a little bit of, wait, I just want to make sure we get the field goal opportunity. And that's obviously, to me, and, and I don't think to anybody really, the right approach, especially this day and age in the NFL where it's just 
It's set up for the star quarterback to take over in that moment. I mean, it is. It just, it's Russell Wilson. He's, he was unbelievable at buying time all night long and doing that. You know, we know that if you throw the ball into some sort of crowd at all, there could be defensive penalty, defensive holding. There's so many things there that favor the offense in that moment. And then let alone, like you're explaining, you traded for a guy for, for this reason. This is why you, you traded for him. You know, it, it goes back to like, you know, this is almost like goes back to the Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers at the end there where you go, wait, wait, you, you realize you got the best quarterback in football and we're, we're punting it? What? We're, we're doing what here? We're punting it? You know, and that was in Seattle too, uh, 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 if you remember correctly. So, yeah, it just did not make sense. And obviously it was a, a rookie mistake by Nathaniel Hackett. Let's hear from Nathaniel Hackett and from Russell Wilson regarding the decision to let Russ watch instead of let Russ cook. I thought Javante made it amazing. Uh, why I was expecting to have to go for it on that down and distance because uh, I believe we were about third and 14, third and 15. I thought Javante made an incredible play and put us in the field goal range, the mark that we were looking for. Yeah, we were right on the line and he had plenty of distance. You know, he, he just missed it. And so, and, and again, that's, hey, Brandon gave it his best shot. I mean, that's a long field goal to hit. I think he's completely capable of that, but obviously I wish we would have gotten a lot closer, but it put us in that weird spot there because we were in the field goal range, but we were on that fourth down situation. Um, didn't think we were get that many yards so I thought it was a great job by Javante and uh, we just made the decision we want to take our shot there uh, on that one we said you know where can you make it from tonight and he said 46 left hash I think we were on the 46 right the 46 left hash that was before the drive and we got it we got it there unfortunately it didn't go in um, I think he has a leg for it for sure um, you know just went a little left I believe and just um, you know in, in terms of, I believe in coach hack I believe in what we're doing um, you know and believe in everything and uh, you know I Anytime you can try to find a way to make a play on fourth and five, that, that's great too. But also, we, I think we—I don't think it was the wrong decision. You know, I think he can make it. Obviously, we, in hindsight, you know, we didn't make it. But uh, if we were in that situation again, I wouldn't doubt whatever he decided. Look, one thing we know about Russell Wilson when it comes to his public persona, he is as careful and manicured as any athlete has ever been. He's never going to tell us what he's really thinking. Surely, surely, if he's the competitor that he has been his entire career. He's not happy that the ball was taken out of his hands. And he has to be thinking at some level, this is why you brought me here. It's fourth and five. This isn't a, this is a 64-yard field goal. It's not field goal range. It is desperation range. It is we have no other chance. What the hell? Let's go try a 60-yard field goal. We have not normalized 60-yard field goals. 50-yarders have become normalized because the kickers are better than ever. 64 is still too far. And one for eight in his career, now one for nine. I don't care what the kicker says. You know, because you always have to dial in someone's self-confidence. Exactly right. on delusion. Right. Yeah, I can make that. Hey, I made a 70-yarder in warm-ups. Yeah, there was no snap. There was no No rush. crowd. There was no pressure. Right. You're just out there having fun. Right. That, I, that always drives me crazy. And I know it's relevant to see to see what a guy looks like in pregame warm-ups because if he's struggling from 50, you know that you should not try a 50-yarder. But the, you're always, hey, but what can you do? Oh, 46 left hash. But not, not, when, not when, you know, like it's fourth and five. Like maybe it's better to try. Like, it's just amazing to me. I can't remember seeing anything like it. I'm sure there have been decisions like this in the past. But when it happens on Monday Night Football 
and we're all watching, and it's a, a game with extra anticipation, and you throw in the Russell Wilson factor, where that's why they went to get him. That's what makes it so much more glaring to me, Chris, that they didn't let Russ cook. It's astounding. It is. They let Russ watch, like you tweeted out after the game, which is which is amazing, no doubt. You know, and and again, Denver they they messed up some situations. They controlled the second half of the football game. I mean, they fumbled on the one yard line twice. You don't see that happen very you know very often. But I think the thing that stands out to me, other than Russell Wilson wearing a Seattle green tuxedo. You know, once again, the guy is a master at playing the politics of the game and the fan base and all of that. Um, but the, the fact that, you know, we didn't expect to, for Javante to get that many yards on that play. So obviously they were expecting they're going to have to call another play here at some point. So obviously they were, hey, okay, let's call this. Let's get a short completion. And then I'll evaluate, you know, out of our list of fourth down, got to have it plays, which one we got to go to. And then it got into, I think, where you're spot on, where you just go, oh, well, the kicker said, oh, 46 left hash. We're, we're, that, that's good. Well, no, you, yes, like this is where the head coach has to take in, all, you know, all the, the information that he has here. And, okay, yeah, Brandon McManus said that. Okay, that's great. He can do that from 46. It doesn't mean it's going to be automatic or go in, you know. And like you said, all the emotions of the moment, the crowd, the rush, all of that. That all play into this to where, you know, as a coach, you got to use some common sense in this this little situation to go. Wait, okay, I know he said like forty six left hash is makeable, but I I think realistically, let's let's make it like the forty forty one, maybe a fifty eight fifty nine yarder. I think that's where more times than not coaches go. Okay, I can deal with that number. Well, yeah, you're getting into the all time greatest kick category to win a football game on the road that's one where you gotta go wait I don't know if I'm gonna listen to my kicker and what he said in pregame there I gotta evaluate it for what it is and, and take it there and that's where I just uh yeah I don't get it it's a shame it really is Nathaniel Hackett there was a lot of things for them to be proud of the offense looked good Russell Wilson looked good but this is all anybody's gonna remember now is this little end of the game moment and now you know, for a rookie coach first game, he's going to be under the microscope of how he handles game situations all because of this moment now. And that's where it stinks for Nathaniel Hackett and the Broncos. And there you go. See, walking off, telling them, hey, let's go. So he knew they were kicking the field goal. I got a theory. Yeah. I got a theory. And I don't know how long this has been the case for Nathaniel Hackett during his coaching career, but I found an item on SI.com earlier in the segment because it occurred to me. And, again, this is why I enjoy – are kind of unscripted, seat of the pants. We talk it through. We think things through. Last year in Green Bay, as the offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett was in the booth. And I don't know when you knew him in Tampa, was he a sideline guy or a booth guy, but there's a fundamental difference, a huge. A hundred percent there is. When you're in that booth behind glass, it's easy to think calmly, real. clearly, right? It's not real. Right. It's nothing like being on the sideline in the middle of a storm. Yes. Having to make decisions. And we saw that all game long. They weren't getting the plays in. How many delay of game penalties were there? How many times was Russell doing yeah, this? Yeah, right, with two seconds, snap? one second. Right, the, right. They, the, so th- this is where – and, and – Good news, bad news. There is a highly competent, strategic 
successful group of owners that didn't hire Nathaniel Hackett. So you're going to get great support from those folks as a coach, as a football organization, but you're also not going to be able to bamboozle them. You're not going to be able to talk your way through it. That's one thing that that uh, I've learned in recent years, and part of it comes from having the analytics people in the building, but owners have at their disposal now executives, brains, people who can load them up with the kinds of questions that will pierce through the old school coach speak. Yeah, right. Where you just you just overload the owner with jargon right. and the owner doesn't know what to say. Now, the owners are smarter or they have people sitting right next to them who are smarter and they don't fall for that crap anymore. So whatever Nathaniel Hackett is going to have a very difficult time today. I feel bad for the guy. He's going to have to answer at some point today to the owners of the team as to why he did what he did. And his explanation, how he handles himself, Chris, is going to crystallize their first impression of him. Sure. This is real-world business dynamics. They're going to have an impression of him that is never going to go away based upon how he explains it. And Nathaniel Hackett, if you're watching, and I know you're not, you need to go in there and just admit that you, oh, you messed it up. It. That you screwed up. Yeah. I came so close to saying yep. it. That you screwed up. Right. You have to admit it. You have to own it. And you have to tell the world, I made a mistake here. And I'm going to learn from it. Because let me tell you, if you double down, it's only going to get worse. And if you don't acknowledge where your flaws and faults are, it's only going to worse, get worse. And he's going to be one and done. This, I, I'm not saying he will be one and done. But depending upon how he reacts to what happened last night, it can go one of two ways. It's going to make him better. If he acknowledges the flaws and commits himself to improving them, or if he doubles down and is stubborn and tries to overload Greg Penner and or Rob Walton and or anyone else in ownership with coach speak and jargon and talk really fast to kind of, like he was last night. Like in the night. press conference, he was trying like to Like if, yeah, I, talk, right. if, I, if talk I talk really fast, fast and maybe talk they about won't, a bunch they, of different subjects, yeah. they won't ask more questions and everything. Maybe right they now. won't ask me a tough question right. if I talk really fast. That's exactly what he was doing. Yeah. If you do that, to Greg Penner, Rob Walton, Condoleezza Rice, or anyone else in ownership, you are laying the foundation to be one and done. And people say, oh, nobody gets fired after one year. Oh, yes, they do. Oh, every time it happens, I've got a, I've got a post from seven, eight years ago, because I remember when the Browns fired Rob Chudzinski after one year, people lost their minds. Somebody said to me, look it up. A lot of coaches get fired after one year. Yeah. And this is a coach that these people didn't hire. And if he makes a bad impression on them, and if they come away thinking this just isn't good, he's not going to be the coach next year. They'll go get Sean Payton. They'll, they'll, they'll give Sean Payton the check and say, you just fill out the amount. Because remember last or when Russell last year? Yeah. When he – New Orleans. I don't want to be traded. Right. But if I am traded, right. Raiders, Saints, Bears, Cowboys. Yes. And yeah. Sean Payton was with the Saints then. No, I, I, I agree with you there. I, I would think that George Payton, the GM – you know, there, every organization has analytics, things uh, of that nature, and I would think he's going to have to answer tough questions to the GM, let alone who knows part of the the ownership group that's going to be involved there. But I, I think you're, I think you're spot on. To me, the approach would be: I messed it up. I messed it up. Yeah, I got faith in our kicker. He's got one of the biggest legs in the game, and I, I just was a little too confident in that situation with him, and I messed it up. But also try to lay out. The good things you did, because there's a lot of good Denver did. You know, Denver 
the offense, the set, you know, they made all the proper adjustments in the second half. Really, I mean, we, like we talked about, the offense, even though it started out a little slow, got going and made a lot of plays towards the end of the first half, continued that into the second half, really controlled the flow of the game. Geno Smith and company, who were picking apart the Broncos' defense, they went in on a halftime, and Nathaniel Hackett and E.J. Evero, they came up with the right game plan and slowed down the passing attack completely of, of the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, what a... Geno Smith, what did he throw for? 40 yards in the second half, right? I mean, life changed in the second half. So there was a lot of good. Uh, so hopefully within that message of saying I messed up, he can point out that there was the best quarterback we play we've seen in Denver in, in five years, six years, seven years, eight years, right? Since 2014. You know, we got a chance no matter what. We got a playmaker. We set him up with some good plays and a good game plan and all that. I messed up the end, game, end of the game situation. That's on me. You're right. I think he's got to take that one on the chin and not try to you know, talk his way out of that one. I think that'll be the, the most respected way to handle the situation and, and probably the best for him professionally as well. Let me tell you, it's the only way. Yeah. His future is riding on it. And I'm, I'm, this is not hyperbole. And, Chris, if you got his number, you, should, you may want to text him, hey, friend to friend, don't try to, don't try to lie to these people. Don't try coach speak on these people. Don't try to spin these people. They are corporate titans. They are killers. And I don't mean that literally. But they're going to see right through any and all BS. They're going to see right through it. They, they've already seen right through it if they watch the press conference. They know. You, you, and, and they'll smile. They're not, they're not going to be glaring. They're not going to have their arms crossed. They're going to smile, and they're going to let you go in, and they're going to let you say whatever you want to say. This is your test. You better go in there, and you better say, I made a mistake. And you know what else? We really have to work on our process for getting our plays called and getting our plays in, and that's on me because I've been in the booth. I'm not making an excuse, but I've been in the booth for the last X number of years, and I forgot how different a world it is. And in the preseason, that's not quite the same. We started off in a hostile environment, and I wasn't ready for it, but I will be. I'll address my flaws, and I commit to you that here's, how, here's our plan for avoiding what just happened. Because they're going to want a plan. They're not just going to want an explanation. They're going to want a plan. And, and George Payton's got a tough – he's in a tough spot. I'm a firm believer. Coach and GM yeah. need to be aligned at all times. Right. Is, is George Payton going to fall on the sword? Is he going to support – Nathaniel Hackett, when Hackett says, I made the right decision, when he clearly didn't. And, and here's the other thing, too. And this, this comes down to what kind of style ownership will have as it relates to the relationship with star players like Russell Wilson. Because even though Russell Wilson is never going to tell us or anyone else publicly that he disagrees with the decision, what if Greg Penner pulls him aside and, you know, have a little conversation off the record between us is – is Russell going to say, I fully support Nathaniel Hackett, or is he going to roll his eyes or shake his head or say, yeah, you know, we should have gone for it there? These are all critical moments that are going to unfold in Denver in the coming hours or days as they process the aftermath of as big of a loss as you can have in week one. Yeah, well, you know, a fan base that expected to win against a team that they all viewed as, hey, wait, they're lesser and we got their quarterback and this is a new era. So excitement was, was sky high in, in, in Denver, no question. And Denver, it's a under-the-radar, you know, brutal fan base. Like, and I don't mean that, like, in a bad way. They love their football. They love their Broncos. I know we've talked about this before. 
I mean, it's the Broncos dominate the sports talk there in Denver. I used to be shocked. I mean, I, I, I lived there for a year and a half, almost two years, played for the Broncos, and we'd be, it'd be in the end of June, and, you know, the Rockies are playing good, good ba- uh, baseball, and, you know, the Nuggets might have just finished their basketball season, and all the, the, all the talk was still on the Broncos. Broncos, 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 what's it going to be? You know, and they're, they're cutthroat. They got some smart people on radio and the newspaper there who, who understand the game. They do. So he's not going to get off the hook easy there, certainly. Um, but, but yeah, it's, he's going he's to have to deal with some pressure here, and he's going to be under some scrutiny here for the next week or two, or at least till they win a game, and he shows that he can handle an end-of-the-game situation the right way to kind of cool the flames a little bit there in Denver. You know, it's funny. I, I pulled up the team's official website last night because I wanted to hear Nathaniel Hackett. And I, I understand <laughs> – I understand that it's broncos.com, but I, I almost thought they won the game based upon <laughs> the conversation and the the effort to, to sound last positive. half full. Right, yeah, right. yeah, it was just so weird, and I know that it probably frowned upon for them to say the kinds of things we're saying, but you got to be realistic, and you, you can only control the media that you own. You can't control the external media. And I agree with you, Chris. They're going to be beside themselves today. They blew that opportunity. And I can't imagine. At a time when we as Americans agree on very few things, we have found something around which we can unite. Nathaniel Hackett should have gone for it on fourth and five last night and not taken the football out of Russell Wilson's hands and taking it a step farther. I think you and I are in full agreement. And I think most reasonable people would agree. He's got to be ready to just be candid and contrite and not Johnny head coach talk real fast. Yeah. And maybe they won't know which question to ask me to put me in a tough spot when he inevitably meets to the people who own the team because they're not going to be happy. No. If you and I aren't happy about yeah, it, yeah, I got this you. is their first right. game. They just paid $4.65 billion. And all the hype and all the expectation, they had a game they could have won and maybe should have won. Yeah. Would have won yeah. and lost. And the guys responsible for it, specifically Nathaniel Hackett, he's got to take. He, he, could, he couldn't he make it up in Hollywood. Yeah, I know. He couldn't make this up in Hollywood. It is. It is unbelievable. I mean, literally, he left the team because they wouldn't let Russ cook and do that. And then <laughs> here he is, the first game with a new team. And they went, ah, it's a big situation. We're going to go back to Pete Carroll ball and be conservative and kick, kick it. Uh, it just it's unreal. If you told me that's how that game ended, I would have been like, "What? You're you're full of crap." There's no way. All right, I'm I'm, I'm on. We're on fire here, holding our our s words back so far. We're Thank gonna, you, we're London. Take, maybe, maybe that's the explanation as to why we're live on Sky Sports. Maybe <laughs> they figured our that'll stop superiors it. Said, you know what? If we could just get Sky to air it live, they'll clean up their act because they'll view it as a good <laughs> thing that they're live on Sky. We've been manipulated as we often are. All right, uh, let's take a break. We got more to do on this game. I know Seahawks fans are wondering, when are you going to talk about what we did right? But they probably do enjoy hearing about what the Broncos did wrong. Take a break. When we return, what the Seahawks did right to win the game and go to 1-0, the only team in the NFC West that is 1-0, the Seattle Seahawks. We'll discuss the game more when PFT Live continues right after this. How about Gino? I mean, Gino just 17 for 18 in the first half. 
I mean, who does that? You know, these guys, guys just don't do that, you know. Um, but remember, he did it against Jacksonville. You know, he had like, I don't know, 12, 13 in a row or something like that. So Gino played tonight like he's been playing the whole time we've been practicing. That's what he's been looking like. He didn't look any different than what, what he's looked like in practice. And so that's why we had the belief in him, and that's why he, he was able to, to win the job and, and uh, go after a Monday night football and win, win a football game. I think when people say what I've been through, I think uh, that's a stretch, man. I'm in the NFL for 10 years. So, I mean, to say what I've been through is uh, it's kind of funny. And then to say, you know, people wrote me off. Um, I've just been working. You know, that's what it means by I never wrote back. I don't, I don't listen to stuff like that. I just work. You know, I know what I have inside of me. Uh, God's blessed me with, with talent and also a passion and a drive. And so as far as worrying about naysayers, anything like that, uh, I don't get into that type of stuff. You know, people can write you off, but, you know, life, life's about what you make it. And so uh, I've just been blessed enough to be in the NFL for 10 years and been working my butt off. And it's a team game, and we got to win tonight as a team. He's been holding that line for a long time. People wrote me off, but I didn't write back. He said it right after the game to Lisa Salters. And it's a great hey, line. Credit to Geno Smith. And as a guy who was the quarterback up the road from me here at West Virginia University, my son was rooting aggressively for the Seahawks last night. A lot of people here in my home state wish Geno well and want to see him become the guy that he never really had a chance to be. He got thrown into a dysfunctional situation with Rex Ryan and company in New right. York. And, and then <laughs> – then, t- then took the over fun- the Giants what- and played the one game for Eli Manning, and, and then yes. that, that made the whole New York area hate him. They blamed Geno Smith for that situation, which is hilarious. And then he played pretty good, but they were mad at him because he took Eli's spot for that one game and ended the streak. So then the whole tri-state area was like, it was only the Jets fans and then the Giants fans. So then it added this bad perception of him that, that wasn't real. It wasn't reality in a lot of ways. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just, you know, I was up here living it and seeing it. But along the way. Yeah. People wonder why he wasn't the starter beyond 2014 because he was the full-time starter in 2014. He got sucker punched in the locker room by Ikean and Polly, if you remember that name, a oh, blast yeah. from the past, literally. Right. And that, that derailed his season. And Ryan Fitzpatrick had a great 2015 for the Jets that year, and it was bye-bye Geno. And then he right. just became perennial backup, and they really have believed in him in Seattle. He came in last year when Russell Wilson got injured on a Thursday night against the Rams, and they were chanting Geno in that game. And we talked about it before. Guy drops a pass to start what could have been a game-winning drive, and maybe they would have beaten the Rams on Thursday night last year. And he, he did well while Russell Wilson was out. He I think did. Russell Wilson came back a little early because Geno was yeah, doing well. Yeah, didn't so, like it, right. This was the plan all along, and this is why I think Geno won the job. This is all part of Pete Carroll's vindication. Okay, Russell, you want out? You're gone. We'll let you go. We'll go with your backup because we think the guy can play. Right. And he showed last night he can play. Can play? Didn't get caught up in the emotions? Made plays like this right here where you just go, that's big time football there. Like, I mean, to avoid a left guard who gets run over, avoid the pass rush, break the tackle, you could see – you know, as you're explaining, the talent of the player, that is there. There's no question. And, you know, he said all the right things. He's got a great outlook on the game and life in general. But uh, I, I don't know how you can't look at it a little bit and go, well, the ball, man, it spins. And he throws nice spirals. And, well, it pops out of his hands. And, you know, now he's got to continue to go and play at this level. But, you know, this gives us confidence as fans, or it should give the, the Seattle Seahawks fans confidence to go, wait, this guy can do this. You know, we can run the ball and protect them a little bit with Metcalf and Lockett. You know, our offense isn't going to be just a pushover because we don't have Russell Wilson anymore. So uh, it was great, great. It's great to see. It's a great story 
for a guy who, you know, has done it the hard way. He has, yeah. And I had some issues early on, like you said, but hung around and kept fighting. And here we are. And what was this, the the longest period of time ever between starts for a quarterback or something like that? Full-time starter because he has right. had some starts. Yes, right, He had right, starts right, last right, year. Right. But it was eight years between the, the time the that he Jets was a full-time and starter and he's yeah, a week, yeah. week one starter again. And he's only 31. And, you know, a decade ago, he was in the midst of a 25-touchdown pass, no-interception run up in Morgantown. He was a yeah, Heisman Trophy right. candidate. And, you know, he slid out of the first round and left the draft. And there, there was – he entered the NFL with some notoriety – and it just never really got going. But but th- this is an example because we see this happen to guys. You have a very limited window to stick as a first-round quarterback or a quarterback who enters the league with a certain amount of hype. And he did, even though he missed the first round. If you don't get it figured out early, you wash out. And some guys wash out completely. Other guys just end up being backups, and they keep working and fighting and scratching and clawing. And, I, I, hey, I'm on Team Geno. I think this is great because I think this will maybe earn second chances and maybe a little more patience for guys who could become good quarterbacks. Yeah, right. I mean, we'll talk about Dak Prescott's injury coming up, but the Cowboys are kind of screwed now. You know, if there was a way to be more patient and give more opportunities and not just throw these guys out because, oh, you came in as a first-round pick and you didn't get it done in three years, so now you're out of the league altogether. You give these guys opportunities to grow and develop, they could turn in to pretty damn good quarterbacks when an opportunity arises. And Gino had the opportunity last year, and he did enough last year to convince them that he should be the guy this year. Yeah. So far, so good. Long way to go. Yeah. It's just one. It's just one chapter of seventeen, but again, this is why Pete Carroll was so happy last night. Yeah, it was a great start. His plan, his plan so far is working. Yeah, that's right. It was a great start. They played, you know, they played hard. They played physical. They showed a little creativity on the offensive side of the ball in the first half. They probably need a little bit more because it seems like they ran out of some tricks there in the second half. Certainly, you know, but. Uh, I, I think, you know, you got to give Shane Waldron, Waldron credit for, for what he did as far as game planning. Got to give Pete Carroll credit for going, you know what? Hey, come out and throw with this guy. Go ahead. We've got confidence in him. He won't get caught up in the emotions and, and be careless with the football. I mean, never really even came close to throwing an interception or having a dicey decision, really. And then, you know, like we said, made some plays off script that I always love to see. I mean, that, that's part of the NFL. And pass protection, especially behind that line, ain't going to be perfect. So you're going to have to make some plays on your own. You know, the second touchdown pass looked like a total, you know, screw over of like, wait, I know how they're going to play this. And this is something we do often. And they kind of zigged when everybody thought they were going to zag. And he hits the tight end up the seam for the touchdown pass there. There was a lot of things to be positive. They, the old line, you know, really played pretty good. That was a big worry spot for me on their football team. They opened up some holes. You know, for the most part, they protected well until the end of the night when, yeah, you know, Bradley Chubb got in on the, the rookie left tackle a little bit. But there are some positive th- signs there to go, wait, Seattle's not going to be maybe the pushover or a definite 4-13 and 13 type team that we thought. And they might be a little bit more competitive, and I think that goes to, to Pete Carroll and, and what he preaches and how they practice on a day-in, day-out basis out there.
Eight different players had receptions last night from passes thrown by Geno Smith. His top two tight ends, Will Disley and Colby Parkinson, each had 43 receiving yards and each had a touchdown. Noah Fan had three catches as well. DK Metcalf had seven receptions on seven targets for 36 yards. You could see that they're trying to do what you've been saying for years they should do get the ball in his hands and let him do his thing. Now, they got to work on the play design a little bit. Yeah, I texted at right. one point during the game. They threw a bubble screen, and he got swallowed up and lost like seven, eight yards because the O's and the X's don't move in real time as fast as they move on the board. <laughs> right. Because the offensive lineman who was supposed to come over and block the guy – he didn't get there in yeah, time. Yeah, right. And, and on the board, he got there. And the board, he got there. It was the perfect block. <laughs> in reality, he's 320 pounds and runs five flat, and he didn't get there, okay? <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. But, but at least we yeah. see, we see right. that effort that, that had been lacking yeah. to get more out. You pay him. You, you, you make him a market value contract offer, and he accepts it. You, you, got, you got to take advantage of it. You got to use him more. And they at least tried to do that. Yeah, they they did. Hopefully, that's a, a, a you know a thing to to continue here as far as their offense. Those, those are the two blue chippers of their football team are the wide receivers, Lockett and Metcalf. And yeah, let's see if they can continue to find creative ways to get them the football because we like you said we we've questioned that a lot. You know, the last few years there in Seattle, and DK Metcalf has got special talents, and he was up against a really good corner. We know that. You know, and again, that's a it's a film I'll be excited to watch as far as what did Denver do differently in the second half that kind of slowed Seattle down coverage wise and and certainly had Geno holding the ball a little bit more than than we saw in the first half. But uh, yeah, if they can run the ball, you know, somewhat effectively, uh, they got two guys on the outside that that can that can get open against man to man coverage and make life hard. And we saw with Geno, too. He doesn't need. Oh, you know, scheme something up so I can throw it five yards over the middle. Geno's got a real arm. He can throw 20-yard out routes with ease. He can throw 25-yard seam routes for touchdowns with ease. And he should be able to take advantage of Metcalf and Lockett's talents that way. And the defense was impressive. The defense was, was aggressive. Made it some plays. It was attacking. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned earlier the fumbles at the goal line. Now, in our document, it says that since 1991, no team had lost multiple fumbles on plays from the opponent's one-yard line. There was a stat that was rattled off last night by Joe Buck during the game that whatever happened last night hadn't happened since 1987 during a Chiefs strike game with replacement players. And, and, you know, it may just be a subtle difference to the factual premise, but this doesn't happen very often where you get the ball on the doorstep and you fumble and lose it twice. And Michael Jackson recovered both, both of, them. of them. I know. I now, know. now that first one again, you, when you blow the center into the backfield, it kind of makes it hard for the running back to do what he's supposed to do. And he runs into the center's ass and he drops the ball. That's again, that's an X's and O failure. When you got a guy that does the F up the play and the center is literally in the backfield at the snap. What's the running back supposed to do? Right. Yeah, I, I, I felt yeah. I felt bad. I felt bad for the ball carrier on that one. Yeah, really. I, on both of them. I mean, they they kind of got overwhelmed up front. You know. I mean, again, you know, not to pile on here, but first off, Melvin Gordon has a fumbling problem. That, that's kind of noted. Right? And then I just go, man, Pete Carroll, the history there. They're not going to let you run. He's Johnny Defense. I grew up in the '70s and '80s. We're not going to let him run in from the one yard line. You could see they were gonna—they were all out on stopping the run. 
They were bringing it. That's a, another situation where I just I came away going, man, I'm surprised they didn't let Russ make a play here throw a, to throw a touchdown, have something there. I was a little surprised by that. I was, but I'm not mad at the play call. But in those situations, loud environment, and then, yeah, you need one yard, and you're playing Pete Carroll, and you know they're going to kind of sell out on the run, you're going to get off the ball late on the offensive line. And then it's going to lead to guys getting effed up and pushed backwards. Uh, so those are huge moments of the football game. Really, I know we texted at one point early in the game, Seattle should have been up by more than 10-3 or 10-10. They had total control. And then we got into the second half, and this is what was great about the game. Denver controlled and should have been up, you know, up by points as well going into the fourth quarter, and they were not. Uh, and that just made it for a great watch. But either way, yeah, they, they messed up some situations there that certainly would have made things more comfortable for them in the fourth quarter. It felt like it was going to be a barn burner, right? Based on the first half, three points were scored in the second half. I know it's amazing, and it, and it wasn't boring. No, that's it was what not. was so weird about it. Yeah, it's it's still an exciting game because, especially the Broncos, moving the ball up and down the field, but they just could not turn it in to points. But hey, look, all in all, I I mean, that's a tough spot for Russell Wilson. I'm sure he would have preferred to have a game or two at home or in some stadium other than the place where he played his home game for 10 years. He wasn't horrible. No. I just think that, that they, they, they've got adjustments to make, and that whole play-calling thing, you've got to get the plays in earlier. That's, that's, there's, a, there's a long list of things that Nathaniel Hackett needs to do. But, man, stuff we just take for granted, that there's a process in place. Select a play, call a play, communicate the play, get to the line of scrimmage. You, you, you never have a chance to really do any meaningful audibles no. if you're spending the full 40 seconds of the play clock getting your act together. No, you're, you're, it, it's a tough situation. Listen, it wasn't an easy place to start. You know, it's, it's a team that, hey, not only was it week one, they had real motivation to stick it to their ex-quarterback. They knew their fans want to stick it to their ex-quarterback. So they were probably willing to do a few little different things. You know, I'll, I'll lean on – a point Coach, Coach Dungy has made a lot over the last week in private and even on TV. You know, hey, you don't play in the preseason. Yeah, these are the things that the preseason helps out. Hey, Coach, the quarterback, this is how it goes. Okay, Coach is getting them in in this time, blah, blah, blah. Hey, Coach, after preseason game number two, uh, I got to get the plays into you, Russell, a little quicker. There, some of those things, it's hard to just go, hey, the first time we're ever going to do it together is on the field in Seattle, in the loudest environment in the NFL, and the emotions are going to be about as as high as any game we saw across the league, and I think we saw some of that. You know, it was some rough patches, some penalties from the Denver Broncos, all of those type of things of, hey, we didn't play much in the preseason, kind of reared their ugly head there uh, for the Broncos, and that was unfortunate for them. And now for both teams, an emotional game played on a Monday night, and they got to turn around and play on Sunday. I it's you know, yeah it's i think i think there's so much anticipation for those week one games you know like steelers bengals they go an extra 10 minutes and they got to pick it up and they got to keep going but when you play monday night week one and you have a, a tough hard-fought game like that that goes down to the wire it's gonna be a challenge the broncos have the texans coming to town for their home opener so nothing against the texans because they hey they they were up big uh, against the colts until they weren't and came out of that game with a tie but it, it's it's there's a lot that both teams are going to have to do to reset for the next week, and I think both could be in for a letdown 
if they're not extremely careful. The Seahawks, I believe, have the, the 49ers. 49ers right, who you know week. are going to so, be chomping at the bit. Yeah, uh, that, that that's the easiest wake-up call possible for Pete Carroll and company to not celebrate this one and to move forward. All right, we're going to move forward. Some first impressions of new-look offenses as the 2020 season has officially begun and a full slate of games has been played. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this.